grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that helps people just like you. Find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we wrap up a series Pastor Sean Azaro delivered in preparation for the Advent season, relevant year-round in this dark world. Deception, blindness, and evil, each of these are consequences of living in darkness. So how can we increase the light of Jesus in our dark places? Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. If you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. The series is called In the Flesh. Today is part one of the message called Let There Be Light. Pastor Sean Azaro is teaching from the book of John. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. Well, we're continuing the series that we've been in called In the Flesh. We've been walking through uh, John chapter 1 and just looking at this through the different lenses because John presents us some things that God brought us in Jesus Christ when he came in the flesh. And in preparing for this week's message, I was just kind of doing some reading and um, Jim Lovell, I don't know if you remember him, astronaut, Apollo 13, has a book called Lost Moon and he tells of a close call. He had, this is before he was an astronaut, he was flying a Banshee fighter plane off the aircraft carrier Shangri-La in the Sea of Japan. And it was a dark night, the actual assignment was to land the plane, to fly up off an aircraft carrier, all the lights on the aircraft carrier go out, and you land the plane on a dark aircraft carrier. Now, we may have some pilots in the room, you could probably expound on this far more than I, it's a hard thing to land a plane. It's harder to land on an aircraft carrier. And then to land on an aircraft carrier in the middle of the sea in the dark, uh, that's just plain hard. Well, he had, he's designed to head out and kind of go out and then come back and find his way. And he had a homing beacon. Well, his homing beacon picked up on a similar signal on the mainland in Japan. There was another beacon of some kind that was on the exact same frequency. So his be- he's following this beacon. It led him way off course. And so he's out over the sea of Japan, and he realizes he's not moving towards his ship. He's moving towards, you know, he's just out in the ocean, and he's lost. He didn't know how to get back to ship. Well, he has instruments and he has things. And they had these little notes. Pilots at that time, this is 1954, they kept notes. And so he devised this cool little kind of light that he could use down by his leg because he kept his notes on his leg. He had this cool little light that he could flip on that he made himself and kind of tap, tapped into the electrical system. Okay? So that he could see these notes better. And so he goes and he turns on his little deal. It blows the fuses in the, in the cockpit. So the whole cockpit goes dark. I mean, at first you're like, are you kidding me? And then it's like, I'm in real danger here. My life is in danger. I could have to put this thing down in the ocean. I have no idea how to get back. But then all of a sudden he looks down. Now, understand, it's completely dark outside. That darkness is now coming to the cockpit because he has no lights. But he looks down and he sees this glowing trail in the ocean. And because of his training, he recognizes exactly what it was. The propellers of the aircraft had disturbed some phosphorescent algae in the water. It was algae that when it turned and when it was oxygenated, it glowed. And so the propellers in the aircraft carrier had, had raised these things up and they started just this faint glow. And he, because it was so dark in the cockpit, because it was so dark outside, he could see this trail. And he knew what it was and he knew exactly where it led. He turned and he followed it right back to the aircraft carrier and su- successfully completed the mission. That's pretty crazy, huh? That, that, little, those, that little light, those little lights in the ocean literally saved his life. And, and what's interesting is how much in total darkness, a little bit of light makes a difference. And that's what I want us to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about light. 
We're going to talk about the impact and the power of light. If you have your Bibles, again, let's turn to John chapter 1. I'm going to pick up right at verse 1, and we'll read. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Skip down. He kind of lets us know who the light is. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So the same one who was the word. That's who he's talking about. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Let's take a moment and pray. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. I pray that you would guide us. I pray that we would hear you as we share. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, we've seen in our series that Jesus is referred to as the word. We saw that's kind of an unusual thing. The word is a reference to a message. Jesus wasn't the messenger. He was the message. And we saw that in that, God was answering our questions. The answers to your biggest questions about God are found in Jesus Christ. You want to know what God's like? Jesus Christ. You want to know his nature, his character? Jesus Christ. You want to know his design and his plan for us? Jesus Christ. He is the word. He is the message. And then last week, we talked about Jesus as life. We called him the source. He's the only source that can satisfy our ongoing hunger for life. We were created for a hunger for something real, for something alive. That's what we're designed for. We spend our lives going after and looking to satisfy this hunger. Well, he is the only source that can satisfy our ongoing hunger for life. In him was life. And this week, we learned that and that life was the light of men. We're going to look at Jesus as the light. Now, John made some observations. His life is the light, and he said to all mankind, I find that interesting, not just to those who believe. That's an interesting statement. Now, life is found only in belief in Jesus Christ, only in him. But there's this sense where he stands as a light and a beacon, his life, whether people acknowledge it or recognize it or not. He is a light. And his light shines in the darkness, we are told. Remember that phrase. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So the light cannot be extinguished. And then he said the light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. It's interesting. Light is kind of a big deal in Scripture. We talk about creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Do you know that we're not told, remember, we're not told the mechanism of creation, okay? Don't, we, we, we would, I would caution you, not, don't try to turn the book of Genesis into a science text, okay? I think when we do that, we, we begin to make mistakes and we begin to overstate. He doesn't give us the mechanism for creation. What he says is, God said, and there was. That's how creation happened. God said, And whatever happens in his amazing, omnipotent power, God said, and there was, and it happened. 
And, and do you know the first words recorded in Scripture that God says? And God said, let there be light. God said, let there be light. The first words of creation, the first words recorded of our Lord, our Creator in Scripture. Let there be light. Let there be light. Genesis 1, 3 and 4 says, And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. It's interesting. He saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. I want to suggest we can't consider the implications of light without first understanding the darkness. The good news of light doesn't make sense if you don't understand the bad news of darkness. I mean, let's talk a little bit about darkness. There's physical darkness. We understand that. We understand the absence of light. We get it. We understand the challenges. But then we know, we we talk about intellectual darkness. We understand the challenges and problems about that. Moral darkness. The moral darkness where there seems to be a moral void and it's dark. And then spiritual darkness. The darkest of all kind. I don't know if you've ever experienced true spiritual darkness. Most of you guys know we earlier, last month actually, uh, took a group and went to Israel. And one of the things we did is we went to a Holocaust museum while we were there. And I don't know if you've ever been to a Holocaust museum. There are different ones around the world. Um, been to one in Los Angeles, been to the one in Israel now, been to Dachau, the actual camp in Germany. <clears throat> and when you, when you go to these places, you go and you know it's going to be kind of a, a heavy experience. Well, let me just say to you, nobody does memorials like the Jews. Okay? Nobody. Because what they do so brilliantly and so powerfully is they humanize the victims and it's, it's fascinating. I realized why they had to do that. When you go and you read their history and you study a bit about Israel, you realize that in these more memorials, they always bring the humanity of the people who were lost. They bring that humanity to life because they're making a case to history and even to everyone in the world, we are human, we are people. And you're like, why would they have to do that? Well, when you go to the Holocaust Museum, you understand Why? And you see what was done to them. And you see the personal belongings of these people. You see the pictures and the, the evidence of what was done. You see, read about the science experiments and even the documentation of those experiments that were performed on people and they were treated like less than human. And I just remember being in that Holocaust Museum again, the same experience, like, God, how could people do this? I didn't have a hard time at all, obviously, seeing the humanity of the victims, but the perpetrators, I was really having a hard time understanding their humanity. How could a person, how could a group of people do this to other people? How could that happen? How dark does that spiritual darkness have to be? Unless we think somehow the Germans are there allies who participated in the Holocaust have a corner on that darkness. While we're in Israel, one of the things people worried about us is going to Israel. They're, they're like, oh, it's so dangerous in the Middle East. Be careful. Well, let me tell you, Israel knows how to do security. All right? You, we felt very safe throughout the whole time there. Never, never an issue, never a problem. But while we're there, Sutherland Springs happen. Here, back here.
a similar kind of darkness that you just go, how can that be? How can someone do what was done in Sutherland Springs? And it's Sutherland Springs, Texas. A little wide spot in the road, this little, little picturesque country church. How can that happen? Spiritual darkness uh, doesn't know geographical boundaries. It just is. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called Let There Be Light from the series In the Flesh, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now back to the message, Let There Be Light. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. In John chapter 3, verse 19 through 20. This is right after, remember we, we quote in John three sixteen, God loved the world, gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, a few verses later, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world. Again, this reference to Jesus as the light. Light has come into the world. Look, but people love darkness instead of light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. Because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they've done has been done in the sight of God. Light has come into the world, but people loved the darkness. There's a website called The Experience Project. It describes itself as a place to share life experiences from people like you. Uh, as of a few years ago, 2014, January, uh, the site had over 36 million visitors. Visitors to the site are asked to share their thoughts about life experiences, and they answer questions like, what does loneliness feel like? Who do you want to spend time with? Or what's your favorite pastime? Well, in one post, readers were asked to respond to the following statement, I prefer darkness over light. And they were asked to respond. A young woman going by the screen name Beyond Repair offered a particularly an unusually honest and insightful response. She said this, I prefer darkness over light. The darkness allows me to hide who I am and what I truly feel. In the light, all things have a chance to be revealed. Darkness makes it easier to hide. In the dark, you cannot see what is coming next. The darkness is a place where you can lose yourself. Lost in the dark is a great place to be. Because then you're free from what you were. You can be what you want. The darkness is bliss. 
See, as I read that, people love darkness instead of light because their deeds are evil. I realize that's not just a kind of a idea. It's true. There are a lot of folks who prefer the darkness because they want to hide. Let's describe the darkness that we're talking about because I, I want to get a little more specific. On, okay, so when we talk about darkness in the world, we talk about this world has dark places. This world can have darkness in it. What are we talking about? Well, I think there's different kinds of darkness. There's the darkness of deception. The darkness of deception. And just like darkness is the absence of light, this is the, deception is the absence of truth. The darkness of deception. How about the darkness of lostness? I talk to a lot of people and they have no clue. You know, if you've ever been frustrated about someone who, who can't understand the truth, you're talking about something and they see things completely differently and you're like, no, but it's so obvious, it's just true. And they say things like, well, it might be true for you, but that's not true for me. And I'm like, wait, wait, truth exists regardless of our opinions. Truth isn't up to a vote. Truth just exists. It's like facts. It's real. And so you have these people who are living in this deception. But then there's lostness where, where those same people, because they cannot have a framework or an anchoring of truth, they're lost. It's like they have no idea what direction to go with their life. And, and so survival takes over. It's just, well, I just got to pay the bills. I just got to get through the week. I, I'm, I'm just going without direction. I'm aimless. Of the lostness of blindness, the absence of vision or clarity, the darkness of blindness, of course, the darkness of evil, which is the absence of good. And then ultimately, I think fear sets in. You know, we live in a world with a lot of fear, and it fears that absence of hope. Those are all different types of darkness. So the big question is, okay, how do we deal with darkness? How do we deal with it? I, I'm sorry. I'm standing up here. I'm a bit distracted. I've got to take care of something. I apologize that you have to be here for this. Um, this is awkward, but I've got to take care of it. <clears throat> Here's the deal. The kids on this staff, the kids who work on the tech team, everything, they have no clue about how to save money, how to save, save money or how to cut expenses. It's crazy. They, they just want new equipment, new stuff. They don't have to worry about payroll. They don't have to worry about expenses. It, these lights, do you realize these lights here? They are unbelievably expensive. And I've told them we don't need that much light. Guys, please, I've asked you a bunch of times, turn the light down a little bit, please. Please. Thank you. Thank you. That's helpful. No, it's still too much. These are, you know how much these cost? You don't have to worry about the budget. You don't have to worry about Jack. You just go, hey, I want more equipment. Yay. Turn the lights down. Come on. Oh, yeah. Ah. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, hold on one second. Listen. Listen. Be, everyone real quiet. Can you hear that sound? That's the sound of our electrical meter slowing down. <laughs> oh, what a precious, precious sound that is. Mmm. Mmm. Jeez. All right, where were we? Okay, hold on. I'm sorry. I apologize. I apologize. It, guys, it's a little dark. Would you do me a favor? Okay, this is, this, turn down the darkness a little bit, please. Please turn the darkness down. Guys, this is like a nine, okay? That's great. I appreciate it. I asked, but nine. Let's turn the darkness down to a six. Turn it down. Guys, nothing's changing. Please turn down the darkness. Am I talking to myself here? Please turn the darkness down. Oh, I'm sorry. This is embarrassing. I apologize. Um, I know what the problem is. You can't turn down the darkness. You can only turn up the light. You can't 
turn down the darkness. You can only turn up the light. Guys, turn up the lights. Thank you. Thank you. What's sad is I really am worried about that electric bill right now. <laughs> now, you, you, you might sit and go, that was kind of a stupid little illustration. <laughs> and when have I ever shied away from stupid? <laughs> and I want to say, this would be ridiculous if it weren't for the fact that we spend actually so much time trying to turn down the darkness rather than turning up the light. This is such common sense, and yet so often when we approach the darkness of the world, what we try to do is instead of turning up the light, we try to turn down the darkness. I mean, think of how many times we try to engage in sin management. Try to manage the consequences or manage the sin or try to kind of just do some things to kind of help make it a little better. I mean, right now we are in the midst in our culture of this crazy time where every day we are hearing new people who are perpetrators of sexual abuse of some kind, and we're seeing them in the news and being dragged out, careers being lost, people being embarrassed. And you want to know, this makes me absolutely crazy. Because back when Bill Clinton was president, and you're like, oh, see, really, now you're going papa on us, aren't you? No, here's the deal. Those of us who spoke out against Bill Clinton and others and said sexual sin is wrong, it's broken. We, we were told we were, we were small-minded. It's just sex. Oh, it's just sex. Please, it's just sex. I literally had friends and family members in Europe. They wanted to know because it was right in the middle of that time and we were in, we were in Ireland and I had family members sitting telling me, well, aren't you people really overly worried about it? It's just sex. And I'm like, well, one, it's not just sex. Sex is a big deal. It has big ramifications. Very close and personal to who we are. But, but two, I mean, he's our president. We, you know, we kind of have made him a powerful guy. He has the nuclear codes and the keys to Air Force One, okay? If he'll lie to his wife, what makes you think he won't lie to me? And so, so that was kind of the issue too. But, but this whole idea of, it's, oh, it's just sex. It doesn't matter. It's just sex. Well, now those same people are exploding and trying to watchdog, and, and, and they're trying to say, say, oh, this is wrong, and you were treating this wrong. And, and it's like, we were telling you that 20 years ago. But we were, we were just prudes. We were just Bible thumpers. And so they're sitting there trying to manage, they're trying to manage all the, all the things around it and kind of get this one and get that one and, and kind of fix it now. And, and it's like, we come and say, you know, God talked about this. Stop with your God talk. We'll leave that, we don't want that light around here. We're trying to turn down the darkness. We're managing this here. We're trying to turn down the darkness. Yeah, but the Bible tells, don't talk about that. We don't want that light. Keep that light out of here. We're trying to turn down the darkness. It would be ridiculous, except we do it all the time. The whole idea about this abortion thing. The reason abortion is such a controversial thing is because we've made this sacrament of, of free sexuality. Whatever we want to do sexually, we can do. And abortion is an unfortunate consequence sometimes. Or pregnancy is an un, unfortunate consequence. An unwanted pregnancy. And so we're sitting over here trying to, trying to manage the, the consequence, trying to turn down the darkness. And we're like, but you know... You won't have unwanted pregnancies if you follow God's laws for sex. You won't. And they're like, stop with the light all the time. We're trying to turn down the darkness. Forget that light. We don't need that light here. We're turning down the darkness. It's like, are you kidding me? And people say the craziest things. Oh, abortion's okay. It's not a life. Well, the day before, there's a huge publicized trial 
charges against someone who inadvertently killed a fetus because it's a person and the person's being charged for murder for two people, a mother and a child. But at the same time, we got to finish the case up real quickly because we got a, a pro-abortion march we got to get to. Are you out of your mind? Don't you know God's... Stop talking about God. We don't need that light here. We are over here trying to turn down the darkness by managing the consequences. It's like, come on, what are we doing? Doesn't make sense. Now, if we think those folks over there, outside of the church, are the only ones who ever try to turn down the darkness instead of turn down the light, how often are we in the church guilty of legalism? Trying to define spirituality by do's and don'ts and by rules that are not biblical, they're not scriptural, but we've made them up and we say, this is what a good Christian looks like. When the scripture really tells us what a Christ follower looks like. But it's like, that's hard. <laughs> These things we can manage. And we're, it's just, we're just trying to turn down the darkness. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series, In the Flesh, available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church, we hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.